0: Jones steps up. Ricketts is at the high point. Jones, Aromaterio, has a lane. Nicholas Aromaterio, the shot. Scores! Holy jumping! The Italian stallion puts the puck in the back of that head. Mamma mia, Nicholas Aromaterio! So keep it in and does. Callum Jones for POTTS, At the blue line, tempting by the skate of Thomas MAYA, MAYA, down low on the half He swings out IN the slot for Botts. Kyle Potts has it, hands on, now he shoots, SCORES! Holy jumping! How do you do? Kyle Potts, puts the puck in the back of the net. Block that shot, and coming the other way is Alton McDermott, he's in on the breakaway. SCORES! Holy jumping! His grandfather, Paul Henderson, must be ecstatic about that one, because Alton McDermott, just scored his first career Buckland Cup final. Boy, off goal! Has been pulled. The Dukes are in the Oakville zone. Joe Zelvis swung that around. The Blades are trying to tie this puck up. They goes it get the, the corner. The Blades have a chance to get this out. Lions will tie it up. It. 10 seconds. Gilmore has it at the point. It's in, Tips just one, seven seconds, it's back in the corner, you in, fucking 3 2 three, two, one, the Oakville Blades, the oh! Oh, oh, you jumping, Blades winning, Blades winning, Blades winning. The Oakville Blades are Buckland Cup champion!
1: You're watching and listening to Mamma Mia, this is Fire Talk. With Nicholas Fiore. Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 40 of Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk. I'm Nicholas Fiore, the Oakville Blades play-by-play broadcaster and host of this sports talk show. And today we have a special guest on the show, folks. It's former Humboldt Broncos assistant captain, author of his new book,
2: Crossroads, Caleb Dahlgren. Caleb, thanks for joining, man. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Love the Mama Mia. When I saw the name, I was like, I gotta get on it. Love it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, got got some merchandise going, right? Mama Mia. This is fire talk. Uh, you know, gotta gotta bring gotta bring some of my Italian flair in the hockey world, right? Not always about the soccer. So, but I really Love do that. appreciate you uh, you hopping on. I know you're busy. Um, I know everyone wants to talk to you, of course, but I truly do appreciate
2: it. And thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It's nice to see that. Sal was on here as well, my teammate and the captain. So, yeah, it. love it.
1: Absolutely. Obviously, uh, Sal Felice, if people don't know, uh, York University Lions, captain of York University, obviously couldn't get to have a season last year because of this COVID-19 global pandemic. But uh, we could digress about that. Uh <laughs> forever right but we uh this covid thing i think is almost over speaking of covid how how is it where you are up in up in saskatchewan there is is it more controlled because ontario it's uh it's going a little wild
2: yeah it is more controlled for sure i think right at one point we were the worst province in canada and uh then now we're yeah we're doing a lot better it's way more controlled and we have i guess one of the most vaccines administered in canada per province and so Things are starting to open up and life's looking good here. It's looking real nice. Been able to golf, um, do some other stuff outside, like go to restaurants and all that. So really grateful to be here and have things looking a little bit more closer to normal.
1: Absolutely. You and the family, everyone's been safe during these times.
2: Yes, all been safe. None of us had COVID. Thankfully, uh, I was. I stayed home for the longest time. My first outing was literally last week, and I went out for a supper, and that was it. And it was on a patio and I was still socially distanced. And the person I was with was COVID free. Uh, we literally checked. We did our own personal tests just to make sure. So like I'm taking all the precautions. I don't want to get COVID. I am vaccinated. I have my first vaccine and then I'm getting my next one coming up. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you got to be aware of. And uh, looking forward to having more people vaccinated where it's a little more safer to do things.
1: Absolutely. I mean, my family and I were our first dosing uh, vaccinations. We got it too. It's just, it's one of those things where, I mean, I stayed home as well, just because you don't know. Right. Um, And there's so many other problems and issues going on in the world. You just don't know at the end of the day. Um, But I'm glad to hear that uh, you're, you're, you and the family, everyone's good and safe. Um, Obviously, you know, moving on, we, everyone knows, you know, your story and, and what what happened over three years ago now uh, back um in april um but you know i don't want to you know i want to touch upon it a little bit but i also want to touch upon the you know the the success that you had and all the and all the good times as well um because obviously you've had to tell this story and these stories so many times right And i know i don't think you truly care to tell it i think you actually want to obviously you made a book about it but like you know it's just always the reminiscing right um but you know, I read the I read the book, and you know most of it, of course. Anyways, because it's it's a lot, and and it's a good good that you you did it. Obviously, we're gonna touch upon that. But you know that that day, you're just you know a regular junior hockey player, Caleb, and the, that I see, and I go on bus trips too with the Oakville Blades, right? Um, uh, we went to the national championship when we went to Cochrane, Ontario, eight and a half hours away in Brooks, Alberta. Um, obviously, that was a plane, but then a bus from Calgary to Brooks, right? So, you know. Everyone in junior hockey really in junior go, goes through these bus trips and everyone's mostly safe right and it is what it is and it was just a regular day. Um, but how does that how did that day really affect your life um, for the good or for the bad of course at the beginning but maybe some some solace now of course.
2: For me, that day was just a normal day too. and I think that you go on hundreds of bus trips in your career played. I think in my junior I had like 178 games or something like that so you gotta think half of those are bus trips so pushing almost 100 bus trips in my three years of junior hockey and so you gotta think like that's just a routine thing and nothing would ever happen and never normally nothing does happen and it's your best time best bonds and you create so many friendships from the bus and you have so many memories from the bus and I remember even like looking back at it and all the memories I created and some of like my best friends were formed from the bus. In my first year in Notre Dame, we had a crew that would play cards and we play cards every road trip and we became all best buds because we all just played cards together every road trip. And so like you look back and reflect on those things and that's where some of the best memories are created. And for me, it did change my life. April 6th did change my life and it changed it for the better and also changed it for the worse too. I think it depends how you want to look at it, but also There were some negative things to it and i lost 16 people who i consider to be family and 13 of us are injured mentally physically and emotionally from that day so in itself there were some tough parts but there's also some beautiful parts where we saw the world come together and support um, one thing and how much of an impact that can have on the people involved i know myself had a huge impact but also just how we can create our own community within canada We've also seen tons of different movements come out of it. Guys um, just keep on persevering and keep on inspiring from those days. Um, and so it's definitely molded me into the person I am. And to this point today, even writing the book was nice for me to heal in a sense where I feel now fully healed from that as- aspect of my life. Obviously, I still have scars and they'll remain forever, but I do feel healed in a sense where I am comfortable talking about it. I am okay with being open and vulnerable with the situation, what I went through. Um, so for me, it has been a healing process. And it has been cathartic and I have been able to persevere and find the positives in the situation. And at the end of the day, I'm just grateful to know those 16 because there's 8 billion people on this world. And so for the fact that a relationship with those 16 who aren't here is pretty special in my eyes.
1: You know what, Caleb? I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, When, when you know, the Oakville Blades, myself, we went all the way to the Nationals in 2019. Yeah, you can say every team and every sport that you're on, it's a family, right? You're of a bond and it's close. But when you, when you go and you're with a team so much and, and you do so many things and you go so many places, you really do become a family because you almost see your hockey family more than your actual family because you're always at the rink or you're maybe, maybe you're away and you're billeting, right. And you're living with a billet family yeah. and you don't even see your family if, you know, you're out of town and stuff. Um, So I, you know, it, that's what people sometimes, you know, some of my viewers, you know, they understand some aspect, but they don't understand how truly, well, how can you actually be a family? Well, when you see each other almost every day,
2: yeah,
1: there it, it, be, it, it does become a family more than friendship. And that's where, you know, I had to, you know, elaborate and explain because you
2: you are right. You are right. And it's because you're also working towards the same goal. And every part of that ship is moving towards that same goal. Whether that's you doing the broadcasting from the stands to get the fans excited and to get other people excited to root on the players who are playing the game. It's just like every little piece has this puzzle and that's ultimate goal is a championship. And like you said, you guys won it all and went to nationals. And so, every little piece played a pivotal role in that family and culture. So
1: exactly. And that's, and that's, you know, one of the most important things um, in junior hockey, of course, for, for that whole, the whole, you know, the, that whole day, of course, what happened and then the aftermath um, I think you spoke about it in an interview or even in the, in the book a little bit, the, you didn't really remember too much. Um, You didn't, you didn't really come to obviously you're in the hospital. Of course Um, you had some, you know, brain trauma that, that, occurred from that accident. Um, Even to this day, do you remember anything, you know, that happened with that actual accident? Or is it just like, you know, I want to move on from it? Or you're like, okay, maybe actually, you know, some things were coming slowly back to you as the years moved on.
2: I still don't remember anything right after impact. I remember everything leading right up to impact. And then right as like, I put my head down, I closed my eyes, because I was visualizing I was listening to music and I was visualizing what I was going to do on the ice. So I usually like to do that half an hour out before we get there to get in the zone. And then I literally woke up in the hospital four and a half days later. And I didn't realize it was four and a half days later. I thought it was like that night. And I was I asked my parents, uh, how'd our game go? Kind of thing. And they said, well, there was no game. So I, I literally thought we played a game. I thought I got injured. I, I got checked from behind. Um, just expected that. I just wasn't in the lineup because I got injured and so found out about the crash and that would have been four and a half days later and in the time though in those days I was I guess according to my first responder helping on scene but I don't remember that at all um I was conversing with people I was talking and all of that and I still don't recall I met the prime minister don't remember meeting him at all um so I do I was talking to these people and I had, (laughs) I had a conversation, but I don't remember it whatsoever. And that's called post-traumatic amnesia. And it's a medical terminology where you're not really, you don't remember it. And it's considered like, I've never been blacked out per se when people are like drunk blackout, but people kind of equate the same together and say, that's kind of feeling where you are blackout. You're responsive. You're talking that, but you just don't remember it. That's exactly what it was for me.
1: Absolutely. And obviously a tough situation that, uh, no one can relate to unless you uh you've been you've been in it how are you now caleb health wise uh you know your brain and every and everything else
2: i'm doing really well i have healed from all my injuries so i i'll go through the injuries i had had a fractured skull a puncture wound on this side of my head i had a scalp de-gloving, so this whole side of my head was shaved completely mm-hmm. as you can see here it still has like a bald spot uh it's gonna be there for a while and probably gonna get worse too it's okay it's okay <laughs> and then um After that, I had a severe traumatic brain injury. I had a broken neck, broken back, blood clot in my left arm and my right eardrum. I had nerve damage in my neck, blood, uh, I guess, ligament damage as well, and muscle damage in my neck and my back. So uh, it's been quite the process of that. And then brain, everything else is healed except my brain. So today, um, brain injury is doing quite well. I'm I'm really grateful honestly I have no side effects um, only one was like my slowed ability of reading my reading slowed down quite a bit but I have an e-reader that helps with that I have accommodations in place that helps with that it's cool so I'm really grateful to still be able to pursue my life based on my injury I should be in a vegetative state and not able to remember my name or how to write or walk or talk so my brain injury. Is like shown in this one way through the imaging of an mri and then the other way is like, i'm actually not like that at all and so i actually thought those two like i thought it was actually the wrong scan for the longest time wow. for the first year i thought it was the wrong scan i knew like i had a phase of me i was in like different personality my personality changed um, after the crash due to my brain injury i knew i didn't remember those four and a half days <clears throat> but I still thought there's something more. I thought like it was still a wrong image because on these tests, I was like breaking records and all that. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe they have a wrong image. Maybe like it's okay if they do, it doesn't matter to me. But I just think that there's gotta be something more to this puzzle. And then we did another image in February of 2019, almost a year after, and it's the exact same image as April 9th, 2018. So that was when it really hit me kind of about how serious my brain is and how I need to make sure I'm careful with it. And other than that, I've been doing really well. I am really great in good health and maybe my brain may not ever get back to full hundred percent, but it feels really great. And I'm happy where I'm at.
1: Good. And, and, you know, I just listening and just taking it back. And I'm sure all the, all the sports net people and TSM people and everyone that you've spoken to, of course, probably were like the same way, just listening and be like, wow, like, you know, these kids, this guy went, went through something crazy and, and but it just shows how much you know of a, of a fighter you are and your personality, right? Um, obviously raised the right way, of course, uh, by your parents. And you know, you 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 fight because you said you 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 should be in a vegetative state right now, but you're not because yeah. you know you, you you pulled through and you're fighting. And you have a few former, a few other friends as well that survived the crash that are that are doing pretty good that we all see as well online. So it's really good to see. I'm glad, of course. Um, but you know, you just, I know you're going to keep on going though. That's for sure. You're, you ain't, you ain't going to stop here, right? You made a book. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to keep on plugging away. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I know. I am for sure. It's, it's exciting times because I graduated from York university this spring and yeah. I'm going to be going to chiropractic studies this fall. So I'll be able to be hopefully helping and giving back to the sport community in the next couple of years here in four years time. But, uh, I'll be the treat and cherry on top for me is to give back and help out, in a possibility possible and even with a future career in chiropractic that's my dream and passion so I'm super excited about that too.
1: Absolutely. And 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 it's 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 for the listeners and for the viewers, um, you know, it, it's something to to take with you, right? Because you know, at 23 years old, uh June, June 10th, the birth the birthday's coming up. The big yeah. 24th birthday's coming up. Right. So it's good to see, you know, I at still a younger age, uh, you know, this positive attitude and, and obviously this, this positivity, you know, it doesn't come all the time because, you know, sometimes you can be in such a, such a bad state in life in general, right? Um, everyone goes through different things. How did you, you know, find the time to be resilient, positive, um, you know, during the recovery, obviously the severe brain trauma, how did you find that, that positivity, maybe wherever it was to say, you know what, I can do this. I can pull through it. I can't believe what happened, but I know I can do it.
2: Mm -hmm. So there's, I took a really deep look at myself too. And I think obviously I've carried positivity throughout my entire life. And I've always been super, super positive, almost to the point where it annoys other people because I'm just that positive and should be more negative in life or towards different situations. But I always think there's a positive and negative choice regarding any situation that you're put in. And I always try to focus on that positive. And so after the crash, we'll use that as an example, but even I'll even backtrack a bit. Growing up, I had lots of obstacles in my way that I had to overcome, uh, losing my personal trainer, Chad Martin, losing a teammate at a young age, um, almost my dad passing away when I was 16, diabetes as well. So all these things, I had to find the positive in the situation too. And so then when the crash happened, I looked back and Reflecting on my past and things I've done. But then I also thought if I was the one who wasn't here and I didn't make it through the crash, how would I want the others to live their life? And for me personally, I want the others, the survivors, to be positive, to be happy, to make the most of their life, to remember me, of course, but to do it in my honor, to enjoy everything that life has offered, offer, make memories, follow their passions and dreams. And so when I thought about that in the hospital room, I thought, well, then I need to live big for those who aren't here. And I need to beg for myself, but also for those who aren't here and use that as a motivation to push harder in aspects of life where maybe I wasn't pushing as hard or to really be in a good headspace and mindset moving forward and trying to turn this negative into something positive.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Well said, of course. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's been over three, three years now, a um, couple months over three years. Um, have you, have you, did you find closure? Have you, have you gotten it? Um, Have you almost, it looks like you have really have moved on from it because you said, you know, you're, you're good to talk about it. You're good to open up about it. You know, you wrote a book about it. Um, Where are you in that sense right now?
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm like healed, I think mentally and emotionally as well. And I think for me personally, this book was a great thing for me to set down my Bronco identity inside of me and say, okay, this is it. If you have any questions, read the book. They should be answered. More majority of them should be answered in the book. There's obviously be more questions outside of it. But older I would get like DMs daily on certain questions and things like that. And so this was kind of nice in the aspect where I could just like put it out there on a plate. It has my thoughts of the 16. I wanted to honor them in some way and remember them. And now that it's on paper, that's gonna be there forever. So if I do pass away tomorrow, my book will still be there forever. And my thoughts of those people and people that matter in my life will be there. And so I think moving forward is definitely for me, I, uh, I'm starting a new chapter in my life. I'm not playing hockey anymore. So that's going to be tough in itself. I was with York University for three years. even though I never played a game. I was still a part of the team, still did things with the team. Um, so that'll be weird not having my hockey identity, but I'm also looking forward to it too. I think it'll be a good kind of way to move forward as well. And uh, yeah, so I think this book was a great piece just to set down my Bronco identity and to move forward. So now I'm an author graduate and going into doctor of chiropractic, um, a philanthropist where I give back, have my own foundations. So I have a lot more to me than just a humble Bronco or former humble Bronco. So I want that to kind of be the person I am today and the person I am in the future
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and everyone has their 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 secondary thing right i mean yeah you know as a hawk ho- even even me right i wanted to be a professional hockey player when i grew up and then i uh broke my main tibia in my left leg and then a few years in then i went to soccer but my dad always wanted me to play hockey right and big leafs fan uh of course we're in you know heart yeah. heart's broken heart's broken yeah, that's, a Leaf that's, fan a right now. that's a top one
2: oh, that's but- a top one sorry yeah,
1: we- I don't want to go into it too much. Uh, no, no, because you know, as Leaf fans, you know, we uh, we struggle. But I digress. Um, but it's true, right? Everyone has their their different things. It's not just always one thing. People are like, "Oh, well, he only plays hockey. He's only going to play hockey." No, he has other things. She has other things going on, right? So it's good to yeah. see. Um, absolutely, and it was also good to see Caleb all the support you received. Uh, not you even personally, but the whole of the whole community. Your that the humble community. And everywhere around the world, it didn't just hit Canada, USA. No, it hit it hit the world, right? And yeah. uh, I have a picture here on my phone. Um, I saw it because you know I was we're in our season, right, in our junior hockey season with the Oakville Blades, and and it just you know it, it, when you're a part of a, a team in junior hockey, it hits you because you literally go through the exact same thing, um, bus rides, right? That that we go through. Um, player, staff, doesn't matter. Broadcaster, it is what it is. Uh, and I posted this right on on Facebook, right? Humboldt Strong with the with the green wow. tape and the stickers, um, and everything, right? Right on the door, if everyone can see it nice and clear. Uh, and you know, I, I posted from from Humboldt, right, Saskatchewan to Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Um, that's a long ways away, and yeah. and the support, you know, that you guys received was crazy. And you know, we just don't do this because we want to, it's because, you know, because we need to, because we want to, and we want to show the support. And, you know, we taped the entire stick and, and put it on the front door. And it was there for weeks. You received so much support, Caleb, you and the team, celebrities, uh, you know, the great one, Wayne Gretzky and so many more. How was the feeling when you even came to two, you know, came back to fruition and to see all of this outpouring, social media exploding, to say, wow, this, this is actually crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you for your support. And first off, really, I do appreciate you doing that. Thank you. I know Oakville Blaze did some stuff as well. I remember that. So thank you for that support too. For me personally, I couldn't even really fathom it. I still am a little bit speechless today, even talking about it, because there's no really words to describe the impact it had on me as a person but even as our community within the Broncos organization um, it's yeah, it's still, still a lot to fathom. And the one thing that really stuck out to me and made, made it even more real was when I looked at Twitter and I saw like sticks out for humble prayers for humble, humble strong. And then that was trending. But also when I was in the hospital uh, we had a security on our floor and the security guard came up to me, I was on my way to physio and she was like, would you like to meet a guest? There's a person from Iraq who wants to meet Humble Bronco. I started laughing. I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, a person from Iraq wants to meet Humble Bronco. I was like, right now. She's like, yeah. i was like, well, I'm going to physio. I can meet with this person. So I ended up walking out of the room and turned the corner and then we had like a block. We literally had our whole floor blocked off in the hospital. Um, There's still other people in the hospital as well with us, but we had a floor blocked off. And so I went in the hallway and walked up there and uh, this woman started fangirling, absolutely fangirling, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, Humble Bronco, oh, my God. And I'm just kind of, like, taking it back. I was like, hi, how's it going? She's like, oh, my God. And this, so this is in broken English, by the way. This isn't just, this is, like, really broken English. Mm-hmm. And she said, I was sent from Iraq to meet a Humble Bronco. And I said, oh, well, that's cool. How would you hear about it? And she said, well, it's all over our news. And I was like, you flew from Iraq to just meet a humble Bronco. She's like, well, I do have family in Saskatchewan, but my parents flew me to meet a humble Bronco. Can we get a picture? And I was like, holy, like, Iraq. It hit Iraq. And I've never met a person from Iraq. And to have that experience was incredible. For me, it was so eye-opening. And that was even when I started looking more into it to see, like, who's actually supporting this and like what's going on. And then, yeah, like you see all these big names of people who I've looked up to. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's unbelievable just to have that support. And it really did help in my healing process. It did for sure. I think it helped in all of our healing processes. Just knowing you have someone in your corner who want to support you and want to see you succeed in all aspects of life. But also it was hard for me personally, because At one point in our room, it was me, two other Broncos, and an elderly lady. And the the elderly lady had maybe one visitor every, like, three or four days. And she was going through her own tragedy. And we were going through our own tragedy. But in our room, we'd have at least 12 visitors a day. So the hard part for me was seeing her not get any support and us have the world of support. And so I my heart goes out to all those who have their own tragedies. And now I'm even a bit more, I'd say, aware of that and really try to support people through their own tough times in life, because like you said, life is difficult and we are thrown lots of tough situations that we aren't prepared for, aren't expecting. And I think having that support of a community around you is really important. So I've always tried to take that upon myself to support people who are having tough times.
1: Absolutely. Well said. And it is it is true, right? I mean, like like we both said, everyone in this world is going through something, whether it's good and bad. And it's it's and other people sometimes won't understand it because every situation is different, right? Um and obviously all the support that you had and you mentioned that lady and see like that's that's something that I wouldn't know, right? If I didn't if I didn't speak to you, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And it's and it's it's good to see that you know there's there's there is good there is good people in this world right there there is a lot of care in this world although there's also unfortunately so much hate and and racism and politics going on that obviously needs to be rectified but there is good in this world um and obviously you know you said that too and you put a lot of that good in this world in this book of course uh, crossroads uh by yourself of course Caleb Delgren and talk about talk about this book a little bit uh you obviously, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to write something and you needed to put in words, you needed to put the 16, your 16 brothers, uh, your 16, you know, family members, um, in the front of this book. And it is on, I think page two or three, all of the names, uh, you know, one under the other, under the other, under the other. Um, why was it so, so important to you? Obviously yes, the healing process, but was there anything else that you said, I need to write something. I need to put something on paper. This has to get done.
2: So I was actually really against writing a book for the longest time, to be honest. I, I didn't even want to write a book. And I had to like, honestly be not convinced, but I had to convince myself that my book could actually help others. And I said from day one, I would not write a book unless it could help other people. And for me, that was a big thing was if this book could help others, then I'll write it. But if it's not going to help others, then I'm not going to write it because I don't need the spotlight. I don't want the spotlight either. Never been a fan of it, never have wanted it ever. But I know that that comes with doing things like this. I know it's part of the process. And I thought the pros of helping others would outweigh the con of dealing with the spotlight aspect. And so far I believe it has. And when I look back at it, I, I really had a lot of issues that come to terms with thinking I my story to help others. And I did my first, actual life adversity speech in 2019 I used to do speeches for diabetes but then I did in this one a diabetes uh losing my dad and then moving after the crash and like moving forward after the crash and so when I did that uh, a person came up to me and said you should write a book I started laughing I was like, I'm not gonna write a book what do you mean I'm a student athlete not writing a book uh he's like no you should really write a book your story has an impact it impacted me and touched me and I think a book." on your life would be very interesting. And I was like, okay, thank you for that. But it's probably not going to happen. Sorry. Not expected to write a book. I never will write a book kind of thing. And um, fast forward to five of those speeches being done. And that was a consensus. Lots and lots of people would DM me and say like, my perception like really changed their life or the way I've handled this situation. It was incredible. And it literally saved them. I had people that I say that they're going to commit suicide. It saved their life. Um, and so when it started getting that deep and my story really started connecting with that many people, that was when it kind of hit me. Like maybe, maybe this people are saying I should write a book. I should maybe look into it. I don't know. And I was still really against it. I, I talked to my agent. I was like, Jeff, uh, question here. Are you supposed to be having people tell you to write a book? He started laughing. Like, no, nobody ever gets told that. He's <laughs> like, obviously your story has merit and value and people connected to it. And I said okay that's interesting and I like sent him I think it was like 10 different messages of people just saying I should write a book in my dms and there was like way more and he was like yeah like that's all true and I was like I don't think my story will help others and he's like well I I disagree with that I think it would and so he said but you don't need to write a book like it's fine if you're not comfortable then that's good too like it's all good I said okay great a month passed by or so and then kind of went, looked back um I was happy with everything life was great and my agent reached out to me and said hey like there's lots of interest about you writing a book are you sure you're not interested and that was when I was like well then maybe I should look into this like who's reaching out and then he said like two of the biggest publishers in Canada reached out wow so that was like interesting in itself and um there was some interest in there and that was kind of when I was like, okay, maybe my story does have some merit, but I still wasn't convinced. I was in five courses. So I was student athlete. So I'm on the men's hockey team. I was volunteering with four different organizations. I had four different things volunteering with the school. So I was like head of our recruiting. I created like a package, a video package um, tons. I did talk to tons of players and all that stuff. And then on top of that, I was assistant strength and conditioning coach. I was also part of our sport student council for York. And then I also was doing, um, lion's leadership. And so I had these four things just at York and then outside I had four other commitments to, and five courses and I wanted to be a chiropractor. <laughs> so like I had to do well in school too. I couldn't just like get by. I actually had to do well. So like, I was like, there's no way I'm writing a book. Like, there's no way I don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, talk to people though before you turn this down like don't turn this down yet talk to people so I talked to Haley Wickenheiser who's one of my people who I became close with after the crash really love what she does she's an inspiration to me and to many others in this world and I love how she wants to make a positive impact on this world I really love that about her and she's genuine she's true who she is and I like that and so I talked to her about it and she's like yeah why wouldn't you write a book I know she's been through the process so I, I kind of asked her and She's like, yeah, you should, for sure. I love that. I, I read it in a heartbeat. Okay. I was like, well, that's cool, but I still am not convinced. Sorry. So I talked to more people and the whole idea was that I didn't know if I was mentally and emotionally ready to let everything out. Yeah. I had stuff in my phone and my notes. I never showed anybody it, And then to put it all on piece of paper for the world to see is daunting in the first part. And then afterwards I thought like, how about the families? How are they going to take it? Um, how is this really going to help others? And so I talked to more people, and the consensus was that you should definitely write a book. Honestly, all of them said you should write a book. Um, and the ones who knew my life really wanted it because they knew my life would touch others. So then finally convinced myself that I, maybe I should do this. So I, what happened, though, was I was sitting in class, and uh, I still was pretty against the idea. And this was when I was talking to my family and friends. My professor said if you want to change the world it starts with you and so that was when it hit me i do want to change the world i do want to make a positive impact i've tried to do that and now i have this platform to actually do something with to hopefully create positive impact and leave that legacy for other people's lives and to hopefully create more change in our world so i ended up writing a book donating a portion of proceeds to stars air ambulance who saved lives on april 6th save lives every day um, and literally every day. And I didn't know about them until after the crash. And that's the tough part is I n- only knew about them when I needed them. So I wanted more awareness around that. I also wanted awareness around like hope, family resilience. Um, I also wanted awareness around community work, diabetes like diabetes in itself. Um, and just talking about like dog diabetes and how people can create their own programs too It's not that hard. Um, and also spreading awareness around mental health disabilities um diseases brain injuries physical health emotional health teamwork there's so many different attributes that this book touches on I wanted to connect with everybody and so hopefully it helps people get through crossroads in their life and uh that was a intent and it has been great so far as it's connected with so many people and it's like receiving messages that really mean the world to me it's not the accolades or the awards or the whatever bestsellers list I don't even look at it to be honest I have no clue where I am but uh what I do know is how it impacts people and the messages I get from those people
1: yeah and and it's and it's true like I mean personally for me and and my family like we 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 haven't really gone through any like you know like you said diseases or mental health and all stuff but we know that so many people have and so many people go through really drastic crazy life-changing tragedies and so much and this this is the book that you know of course, there there could be a few more out there, but this helps you because, you know, maybe someone can relate to your story. And you just don't touch upon, you know, the, the, the bus crash and the accident, of course, but, you know, your life before that, um, you know, leading up to it, what you've gone through as well. I mean, and that's what people maybe relate to almost even more because not everyone, unfortunately, you know, has been through maybe what you've been through. Right. And and, you know, we don't want that obviously to happen ever again. Yeah. Um, Haley Wickenizer, you're right in the back of the book. This book is going to engage you, uh, and you, inspire you and motivate you. I mean, you know, and you say now you're, you know, you're pretty close with Haley Wickenizer, uh, a legend, a legend in the, in the woman's game for Canada, just got a promotion for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right. In the, yeah. uh, as a senior, uh, I think senior player development, right. In, in the, in that aspect there, um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's men's hockey, right. So she's doing, She's doing well for herself too. And it's really, it's really good to see. Um, it's a great book. I know, I know you don't love the spotlight. And I know you don't, you don't look at the list, but um, I know I got my copy on Amazon. So any, anyone who does want to get it um, it's a, uh, you know, all the back right in the front. It's a, it's a great book. Um, I know you have a website yourself to uh, yeah. check, to check it out. So people get, get, get on it. I know you don't, you don't care about, you know, the, the list or the money and all that stuff. It's just how, how you can impact how you can help. Um, And I, and and I think you have, and I think you continue, continue to do so because unfortunate, you know, maybe you didn't want to be known for, you know, the story that you are, but uh, that you've been through, but it is. And, you know, like you said, you've moved on from it and you're also helping other people now, which to me, man, like, that's that's probably the most you know important thing and the most satisfying thing that now you're helping other people go through certain things
2: isn't it oh for sure and that's how i have been my entire life too i've wanted to help people through their tough times and i feel like this book offers that on a grand scale and can touch a lot of people's lives
1: absolutely moving forward um, i want to talk about you know diabetes and and you're a type 1 diabetic um, founder of valgren's diabetes um I read upon it a little bit. I know my stuff, but I want I want to hear from you. Uh, everyone wants to hear from you. Touch upon that a little bit because obviously that's very important to you. Um, you know, you're the founder, you're the owner of it, uh, and and it's and it's it's reaching out to other people as well.
2: Yeah, it is. And the idea for it was a mentorship program for type one diabetic children because growing up, I didn't have that influential person to look up to. You think of Bobby Clark or Max Domi as a diabetic person to look up to. But Max Domi and I are only two years apart. And Bobby Clark, his time and era was before I was even born. So there was no YouTube growing up for me either. It was not until I got older that there was actually YouTube to look up these people um, who have had diabetes, who have done great things in their life. So it felt alone and isolated. And I had tons of questions like, how do I ask, how do I bring it up in relationships? I haven't type 1 diabetic. How, how do I go camping on a weekend? What do you do in sports with diabetes? What is the way you manage it? It's different for everybody, but how does one person manage it who's elite level athlete? So these were some of the questions I had, but didn't have an outlet to go to. I didn't have that person to reach out to. Social media wasn't really a thing at all, so you couldn't connect with anybody. Yeah. Um, so I was really alone and isolated and was looked down upon at times too and treated sometimes differently and looked at differently. I had to give myself needles to live. And so growing up, that was one of the big things. I wanted to give back, didn't know what. And I was 16, I actually helped my buddy who was newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes uh, through his struggles. And that was when it hit me. I could actually help children who were newly diagnosed and who are diabetic and going through their struggles like I would have wanted. And so then I told my parents about this program. I had an idea. Um, and they started laughing. They're like, not now, like you're 16 and you got to finish at least high school and make sure you do well in high school because those matter, marks matter for university. So, this is a huge undertaking. And, like, you should be doing this right now. So, I listened to their advice and waited, and 18 year old seasons in Notre Dame joined on JRF as a national, as a Saskatchewan provincial ambassador. Um, and that felt really good to be a part of the diabetic community, but there's still more inside I wanted to give. And so 19-year-old season, I was in Notre Dame, still part of the diabetic community, still giving back, but I knew I had this dream program. And so then ended up asking for a trade and went to Humboldt. And uh, that was the best thing because I wanted this platform and to use sport that I was in and the level I was at as a platform to create awareness around a topic that I believed there wasn't much awareness around. So I created Dalgran's diabetes and mentorship program for type 1 diabetic children. So what they do is come out to the uh, Humble game, them and their family get complimentary tickets. First, they go to Johnny's Bistro, get a pregame meal there, and then come out to the game, get to wear the diabetes jersey for a ceremonial face off. Um, nice. Then, watch the game, and afterwards, I meet with them upstairs, talk about my diabetes journey, uh, some tips and tricks. And then I go to their school, do a school presentation because I wanted the awareness to be created as well at their school, and also for them to feel comfortable in their school because I didn't really feel that comfortable. And I wanted the students to actually like understand a bit better what they're going through. I know that they're still a normal human being. Yeah. And then at the end of it, I'd put them in a Facebook group chat. So they had their own team and own family that they could relate with. So I think looking back at it, that was exactly what I would have wanted. And now I have 16 diabetes. I continued it um started in Humboldt, started the season in 2017. And I'm still continuing it now. I have 16. I continued it throughout my York days and uh I think for me, I want to keep it small just so that I have personal connection with these people. I think if you expand it too much, you lose that personal connection and you can't keep in touch and becomes more of just everybody's a number instead of like actually having that impact. And so I wanted to create a ripple effect where the 16 diabetes have their own diabetes or have whatever program that they create for other children type 1 diabetes or anything so for example one of my diabetes is writing a children's book right now and she's 12 or she's 10 or 11 10 another one is does a care package for other newly diabetics so when a diabetic before these people weren't doing anything either so like the transformation i've seen in them is incredible and so the one really creates a care package for a diabetic newly diagnosed, goes to the hospital, hand delivers it to them, introduces herself, and then they build a bond and say, this is like, you can still live life. Another one to create a camp. That one has their own foundation now. Others are with JDRF as national ambassadors too, youth ambassadors. Um, It's just, it's overwhelming just to see how much they've grown as individuals and how good that makes me feel too, because it fuels my soul giving back. And I think they impact me way more than I'd ever impact them. They've really changed me as a person too. So it goes both ways.
1: And a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, if they can, um, whether it's, you know, just doing these things or with so many other things, of course, uh, giving back is is something great. Obviously if, if, if it's within their means, um, why not? Right. And that's exactly what you do. And, and, uh, these kids, you know, have like a shining light, right. Because, uh, you know, personally for me, I, I don't, I haven't dealt with diabetes, but I know a few people who have, and, and it's, 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 it's a pretty serious thing. It could be at times, right? So you have to understand it and, uh, and, and follow through and maintain it properly. Of course, yep. um, we, we touched upon a lot. We're almost, almost uh, done here. I know you're, you are willing, uh, willing to talk about all this stuff, and I appreciate it. But we're going to get into some hockey now, Caleb. I know you want to. Yes. I know we, we all want to talk hockey, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the chat, you know, at the beginning, fantastic. I mean, just, just to hear the stories, right? Is al- is always great. Um, but you, you started with Notre Dame in junior, uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Uh, the Notre Dame Hounds played fifty-eight games there, recorded some points, sixteen points in the fifteen-sixteen season. And then you're the captain of Notre Dame, uh, 16, 17 season, 2017, 2018. Then obviously you asked for the trade, move to Humboldt, uh, Humboldt Broncos assistant captain. That's when you record 32 points in 48 games breakout. And then obviously with U sports with York university, uh, here where I am in Ontario, obviously you couldn't play of course, but you were a part of the team. How, how was your whole hockey journey overall? I mean, obviously you really, really love the game. Obviously now announced retirement, um, uh, you don't see many junior players doing that, but you have to, right? Probably just for just for your health. And you have so much other things going on. So to me, in my opinion, it's probably a blessing in disguise, really. Um, but that's just my opinion, of course, uh, because you got so much other things going on. But, you know, talk about your time with Notre Dame and Humble, uh, you know, before before all, all this happened and how much you just really looked forward to playing junior hockey.
2: Yeah, for me growing up, one of the big things was I wanted to go a maybe unorthodox route. I wanted to go to university, I wanted to get a degree, and I wanted to go play professionally overseas in Europe. That was, like, the pinnacle for me. It wasn't the NHL. Um, It was when I was a kid, like, a really young kid. It was always the NHL, NHL. Then I went to Europe when I was 11 and 12, and that was when it really hit me just how much different their lifestyle is over there, and their hockey is different. Just the experience that hockey could bring you. So for me, that was eye opening. I went to UND as well, saw what the facilities they had. and I was like, well, why wouldn't I do this route? Why don't I go education and then go overseas? And uh, I wanted something to fall back on. Sport isn't forever, and uh, I think that if you have an education underneath your belt, you're able to still pursue sport, but then you also have something to fall back on when your time's up, or you have to retire, or you get injured, or things like that, or even just get old out of and not able to keep up. So for me, that was a big thing. And uh, I knew going in junior that I wanted to play in a spot where I would be able to thrive and have opportunities to be seen. And as a 17 year old, I actually ended up making Notre Dame as an underage. And I turned it down because I wanted to go back to AAA to develop some more. And I thought that if I went to Notre Dame, I would have been in like a bottom six role. Um, and if I would have went to stayed and played on your AAA, I'd be in the top six role. So I chose to stay in the top six role just to develop my skills more and to be more, I guess, um, put in better situations. So penalty kill, power play, top six. I was I was in the best role that you could have been as a forward, and that was one of the things I really admired and appreciated about my time there. And so I didn't want that to be. It was pretty decision, and it was one of the best decisions I would have made. So then, eighteen year old rolls around, and I got called up to go to Notre Dame for playoffs. And I was talking to a couple uh, other teams as well in the A.J. and B.C.H.L., uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League and British Columbia Hockey League. Um, and so for me, I, I really didn't know if I wanted to be Notre Dame. I knew I wanted to go to a place where I was able to succeed and play. And the other thing that was kind of holding me back as well was my dad. At the time, he still wasn't doing well. And I wasn't too sure how his health was going to be. And so my rights were in Saskatchewan with Notre Dame and I ended up going there and uh it was such a great time I loved my two years there and it's just hockey and that's all I wanted was just hockey hockey working out um film we took a course as well and hung out with the guys in the dorm and lived in a dorm together so that was pretty cool experience being the only child and then living in a dorm with like 23 25 of my teammates is pretty cool Um, and it's definitely has some good stories in there, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed my time as a hound and I was in a shutdown role, both my years on the team. And I really bought into that role. And for me, I, I was really good at it too, which was great because I shut down the best players in the league. So when you have scouts come to watch, you're seeing some of the best of the best in the league getting shut down by this 18 year old, they're wondering what's going on. So I think that was really good for me as a player because I had the opportunity to show myself um, that I could be in that role and that I could succeed. And I actually brought attention to schools at that time because I was shutting down those top end guys. Um, And then even in my second year as well, same situation, had uh, opportunities division three in my second year, but I didn't, didn't want that. I wanted division one or U sports. So then my 20 year old season, I was fortunate enough to get some top six minutes Um, At the start of the season, I was in a role. And I think I had like, I was outbreak year for sure. But I think at one point, I had like 18 points in 21 games, almost a point per game in top six and proving myself that I could play those top six minutes too, and not just a shutdown role. And then I injured injured my shoulder. I separated my AC joint, my shoulder, and I ruined my wrist too. I uh, tore some cartilage in my wrist. Um, And (laughs) I was not the same player after that. I played through my shoulder, kept playing through it. Um, Wasn't really, I was still like producing quite well. Um, But then after that, I mailed up my wrist, sat out. And then when I returned, my wrist just never felt the same. So I couldn't really shoot or pass that well. I would get like passes back door. I tried to one time as my wrist would give out. And it was either surgery um, and sit out for the whole season or play through the pain. And I decided to play through the pain for that rest of the season. So then I got put on my shutdown roll again. Um, was able to do that really well again and enjoyed that. So um, I, my junior career was unbelievable and I'm so grateful for all the people that I met from around North America, even the world. I had some Europeans on my teams too. Um, the memories that you create, the bonds that you have, it, it's really something that I'll never take for granted and I'll always cherish.
1: I know the competitive spirits in you because it's it was in me as well. I mean, I tore my ACL playing semi pro soccer and I I played I played through a whole season, put a <laughs> put a brace on it and I played through it. And then yeah. I got surgery. This was now seven and a half years ago. My goodness, t- 2014, I got surgery. But uh I but I also sprained my AC joint uh in the shoulder. That 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 thing hurts as a soccer goalie, you, you can't you can't pull the ball. It it's painful.
2: I could imagine as a goalie, yeah, especially when you're trying to jump around too. Yeah, I, I could imagine. And I like to be, like, I like to hit and stuff too. So, and the one thing is like, I stand up for my teammates too. So if someone like yeah. hits my teammate from behind, I'll go in there and fight them kind of thing. And I couldn't wow. do that anymore because I had my wrist taped. Oh, so like, awesome. I really felt like a liability out there where I normally could have done that. And you don't need to fight. It's not no. necessary. And it wasn't necessary, but it was just like, to have that ability to yeah. feel yeah. comfortable out there. Now I have my wrist taped up, like you know, I was in a cast, and then to not have my shoulder mangled would have been nice. But at the end of the day, you have to play through some of those injuries. And even after the crash, we found out I played through that season in Humboldt with two broken ribs and a broken vertebrae. Had no idea whatsoever. Oh. Um, I scorpioned myself. I, I remember the play, I was on penalty Kill, I scorpioned myself into the boards. The oh. guy guy like took a shot. We both were racing for the puck at the same time. He stuck out his stick to like kind of like push me away with his hand. And his stick got caught in my skate, and I went head first. Scorpion legs came over into the boards, and I remember the play vividly. I couldn't breathe after. Um, and there goes my ribs and uh, vertebrae. But I still played through it. Went back on the next shift. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't recommend that if I would have known. I'd probably <laughs> went to play because it's not safe to do that. But uh, played through it, and so it was a pretty bad injury season. Not gonna lie, but uh, it was one of my best seasons and. It's the bonds and friendships and memories that really make the most impact. And even the life lessons learned through the, those times.
1: I uh, absolutely. And I want, I wanted to know actually why you, why you decided to come to York U. I'm um, obviously, you know, from your home to my home, right. From Saskatchewan to Ontario, uh, York U is not too, not too far from even about 20, 25 minute drive. Why, why the decision to leave your province essentially. And, and after the, actually and not humble and come to York University to study?
2: So I'm a quite detailed person. So I took this process very, very, very seriously. Because I knew it was like next three to five years of my life um, that I could have been a youth sports athlete and student athlete. And so I really took it seriously. Actually, previously verbally committed to York before the crash. And the reason for that was multiple reasons. But number one was I didn't want to live in Saskatchewan or the Prairies. So that ruled out um Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. So that ruled all those three provinces. And I wanted to have a new experience where I challenged myself as a person. And I thought that'd either be at in like either Vancouver area, Toronto area, or on the East Coast as well. I, I really like the East Coast too. So those were like a couple of areas where I was really interested in going and I talked to lots of schools. And for me, York just stood out, number one, because my assistant coach, Mark Ross, went there and had a great experience, loved it, and kept on pumping York's tires to me. And then also because when I look back at it, York was like top-ranked school hockey-wise. They're one of the best hockey teams. Uh, They also were top-ranked school academically. They had all the programs I was looking for. They had commerce, kinesiology, both top ones in Canada, um, you can get a three-year degree at York in commerce, which is what I got. Um, there's just so many different things about it that attract me, even the campus. It's not in the middle of the city dispersed, where if I cross street, I get hit by a transit car. It's like a legit, a campus. Um, the rink is on campus. There's so many check marks that I just kept on checking off. And even like the supports that they have for academics, and injury supports like they just had it all, and I was like, well, why wouldn't I would go there? And they weren't recruiting the highest end OHL guys either. They're recruiting like junior A or lower end OHL guys who were just busting their butts and working their hardest and wanting to get to the next level. And they operated like a pro team. And I thought if I wanted to go play professionally hockey, that was the best place for me to go because of the way that they have their week schedule. Um, everything just aligned York for me made complete sense. And, uh, we practice every day. We work out every day. We have skill sessions twice a week. We have a video of our shifts after every game. Like we have it all. And like, we have all the supports. We have nutrition, like literally you name it, we got it. And that was one of the big things for me was being in Toronto, but not downtown, but still in a community. Um, yeah, it was for me, it was the best opportunity. And, um, it was the best place for me to grow. I, I wouldn't have chosen anything different and uh, I'm so happy. And then even after the crash, they sat, look, still wanted me to, and that was really just show that I made the right decision in the first place. And I was verbally committed, So I was still was talking to other teams too, because I don't trust it until you actually sign. You yeah. learn, you learn the hard way in hockey. Sometimes you don't trust anything until you actually sign. Oh, so, yeah. but uh, at that time, York, we verbally admitted and it was going to be after my season we we're going to sign. Uh, they wanted to just wait until my season was over, and I did too, to not have any conflict on our team or to have anything like that or get my team mojo off. So um, looking back at it, I wouldn't change it at all, and it was the best spot for me to grow mentally, physically, and emotionally as a person, and uh, really grateful for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Listen, Caleb, uh, you, you know, you, you've told your story on so many – Maybe newspapers and and, and online online uh, stuff, uh, social media, you know, like a TSN as well on Sportsnet, and and you've got interviewed so many times from so many people. I do appreciate you coming on. What's like the final, you know, final, final, you know, wording you can you can give to just people who are struggling and with any aspect in life? Because you you let's be honest, right? I mean, I think it's safe to say since you've been so open with me and with, you know, the situation generally, I mean, you've been through the ringer, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, You have, um, but you persevered, uh, you're positive, you're resilient and and you, and you came out stronger. Um, And I'm not just saying that to say that because it is true. Uh, You did. Um, What, what can you say just to everyone? uh, Even to me to just, you know, just keep on plugging away type of thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. There's three things I think positive over negative and choosing that I, even on my hockey stick, I don't know if you, you can't see it. It's on the back. I saw I on my knob. I do a positive over a negative and it's just a simple reminder just to always find that positive and pick that over the negative and the aspects of all th- applies to all aspects of life. Sorry for my English there, but uh, the whole idea about it is like we have, we're faced with circumstances and situations and we have two options. We got to choose a negative one or the positive one. And, I've always tried to choose a positive one. And then secondly, just to focus on the things that you can control at this time, even in the pandemic, we can't control the pandemic. You can't control other people and what they're doing. All you can control is yourself. You can have an influence or try to make a positive impact by saying, Hey, we should be doing this or rallying people together. But at the end of the day, you can really only control yourself. And so I, I focus on my work ethic, my actions, my beliefs, my values my perception, how I want to be as a person, my friends, family, relationships. And then lastly, uh, to enjoy the grind of life. I think even right now, we are all in a grind. The Leafs are in a grind. Um, We are are in a grind. And I think that if we actually enjoyed the process of getting better 1% every single day in our life, and we'll look back on it as we connect the dots down the road, It'll be a world of difference. So to truly enjoy the grind, take that one positive out of your day, focus on that, and uh, carry yourself as a better person the next day.
1: Hey, I'm in a grind because I'm just a uh, an inspiring professional hockey broadcaster, sports broadcaster in general. So I guess because I'm in a grind, and since you're close with Haley Wickenizer, maybe you can uh, you can let her 100%. know. Hey, I have I have. I
2: try, and also like. The grind applies to everything. And like you said, it does. It applies to work, friend, family, friends, relationships, academics, done. sports. It applies to everything. And to really just enjoy that process because you might not be here tomorrow. And so to make the most of it and really enjoy that grind that life has to offer.
1: Hey, we can, uh, we, we can uh, get in Haley's ear, see if she could come on the show. Imagine that. No,
2: <laughs> That'd be I, pretty cool.
1: That'd be pretty cool. No, listen, Caleb, um, as we talk serious, as we joke around, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like we've known each other for a while. It's just a, a conversation, and I do appreciate it very, very much. I know sometimes, uh, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people, right, and they've always said, you know, either contractually or or certain circumstances are there, maybe they couldn't come on, or they can, but this and this and that. But listen, you're more than willing to come on um, after we chatted, and uh, I appreciate it more than you know. Um, great to see you are doing well. Uh, you and the family are doing well up in Saskatchewan there. Um, after this this tri- you know tragedy and after this thing and I'm, I'm, it's just good to see that you moved on from it um, for the most part and 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 you you know you're you're still living your life to the best of your ability and giving back, but I do appreciate you coming on my show my podcast as I'm trying to get bigger and better to the next level as well as it's a dream to be a sports play by play broadcaster so I do appreciate you coming on it means the world.
2: Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to have me on here. I got some of your Mama Mia swag. I think that's pretty nice looking shirt. I saw that out there, like it. But uh, yeah, no, it's been an honor to talk to you, and thanks for all the great questions and conversations. It's always great, so I really do appreciate that.
1: Absolutely, as as Kayla mentioned, Mama Mia, this is Fire Talk merchandise is released. We've had a lot of people actually even surprised me, which I really, really do appreciate. Um, no profit be made, just getting the name out, getting my 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 show out, getting the word out because that that's what it's all about, right? You know, t-shirts, hats, long sleeves, hoodies, and hopefully doing some stuff for the summer, some stuff for the upcoming winter. Um, you can follow on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Uh, there's so much uh, with this show; it's getting bigger and better. Um, and Caleb, you just made it. 10 times better. So I appreciate, I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, Listen, everyone, episode number 40. I cannot believe it. The first episode of June, 2021 with Caleb Dahlgren, author of Crossroads, his new book that's been out for a good period of time now, former Humble Broncos assistant captain, obviously one of 13 survivors of the tragedy three years ago. I appreciate you coming on, Caleb. Everyone stay safe out there and mamma mia. Now Davis
0: takes it and looks to come the other way. Davis is in, trying to drive, and he will look to go across. Good play to Davis, though, to get it right back to him. He goes down low to Israels. Centering, it's there. SCORE! Stevie, Stevie, Stevie! Steven Whittle scores his first OJHL playoff goal for the Oakville lane. This game is opening up in a big way for both teams. Ricketts, centering, what a pass. Israels breakaway, the move, SCORES! What a goal for the Alaska Fairbanks commit. The assistant captain, Harrison Israels, with an absolute dandy. Download Alliance, Jack Lyons centering, SCORES! The double jacks combine, as the, that puck popped up like a jack in a box, and it's Jack Ricketts from Jack Lyons. 6-1 on the 40th shot of the game. It's all over now. Smith hits it in. A chance here can develop but the blades. look to take it. And is and Ricketts finds Israels. Breakaway Israels. A chance back Rebound. Scores!
1: Blades win. Blades win. That was Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk with Nicholas Fiore. Thank you for watching and listening. And stay tuned for the next episode.